Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. I just want to give you guys a little update of church situation. Things are coming together. I'm actually ordained now. Um, I have my board that I have created and we signed off on the bylaws and some of the policies and even that the capability of being able to start a bank account. So eventually I'll be able to do that. And then after that, the next goals would be to like start a website and uh, some other things to get people to kind of find who we are. Um, another important thing that I have neglected because I didn't realize what was happening, but I actually got my first supporter and I feel really bad because I didn't realize I had gotten a supporter because there was nothing telling me that I got a supporter. And so I have discovered that Wade McFarland is my first supporter. And I just want to give you a shout out and thank you for being my first supporter and supporting this podcast. And I just hope that it's been a blessing for you and that it's made an impact for you. And I hope you share with some of these podcasts with other people, other men that you think really need to hear this. But I just want to, once again, Wade, thank you so much. And guys, so today my talk is actually going to be continuing a bit on the progressive Christianity push or mindset that's been going on and something I've been kind of noticing because um, one of the, I guess you could say the, the points that a progressive Christian points out is, is it usually like their number two, but it says affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide, but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. Word oneness has been coming into my thoughts this past week. And I think a lot of it is because I've been hearing it within churches, especially songs. And I kind of started really kind of researching. I even talked to a few friends, just curious about what they thought about the idea of the word oneness. Now, I will straight up and say, because we're going to go into the verse in John 17, 20 to 23. And this is just, I want you guys to just hear this out before I continue my thought. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. But they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, even as you loved me. So, oneness has two meanings in my perspective of the world and God's. Oneness in God means there is this connection with God that we have again. The unification, which union, united, is very much a, a theme in the New Testament. Paul emphasizes over again that we're supposed to love one another, we're supposed to encourage one another, we're supposed to build up one another, we're supposed to pray for one another, and we're supposed to bear each other's burdens. That's union or oneness that Paul was explaining. Okay. Oneness with God is what Jesus has done for us. He died on the cross. He, he broke the curse of sin, of death, and the punishment of hell. Okay? 
he defeated that through what he did. You know, he died on the cross, his blood was shed, he was buried, he was in hell, he rose again, and boom. He proved that he was alive again, and then he went up and was with the Lord. He couldn't stay. He wasn't going to tarry on this world any longer than he was meant to. Okay? The oneness that was created was what was once lost, that relationship that God had with his creation with humans. And so we have established this relationship with God accepting Christ. If you don't, you don't have this oneness. So now we have the other perspective, which is the world's perspective. As you have seen it in movies and TV shows, when they actually talk about Hindus and Buddhism, when they talk about universalism, there is always this perspective of oneness. Oneness with the universe, oneness with this ultimate power of some sort. The idea, though, that they are projecting onto us is a oneness in power, equality, and basically like one energy. Okay? That is not the oneness that's spoken in the scripture, and it's not the oneness that we should be expressing in our music, how we preach, and what we're teaching, because we are not becoming one with God in the sense that we are equal to him. And sadly, I think some people, sometimes even some musicians, are, are expressing oneness as if we are kind of getting in the same plane with God which is interesting because the emergent church teaches that which emphasized that later on in their teaching because their mindset remember like we talked about in the last episode they perceive the scriptures as not the word of God but as a bunch of stories that help us figure out how to gain that oneness with God in our mental state, our heart state, and our body state. To be like how Jesus was in a literal sense, it's even though they don't say it, but this is what they mean, gain that type of relationship relationship and power that Jesus had with God. That's not biblical. And it comes from their theologians that they express as their like basic four that they like there's like I call them the big four for their policies, their their theology, their indoctrination, their you know ideology, the philosophies that they they believe and follow come from these four theologians plus whatever you know the, the leaders of today have kind of pushed like Rob Bell or even Brian McFarlane you know these these guys have expressed a lot of this philosophy thinking and it's very progressive and sadly, I've been hearing and seeing people almost like laughing at my statements saying, what's wrong with being progressive? What's wrong with being uh, emergent? You know, it sounds like it's more modernized. It sounds like it's more updated in connection. And that's the thing is, what does that mean to be updated in today's culture? Does it mean compromising and removing truth to better fit the culture no i mean that's that's the thing is the new testament didn't even fit the culture of rome you know the roman empire would not be jumping all over this and saying oh this is a great idea in fact they even said that once 
they've had struggles with Israel prior to that, where they had people rise up and say they're Jesus or like a type of Jesus, and they started this religion, and they basically just let it finish off and disappear. Well, they still had that same plan that you know once the the fizzle is gone, we'll see if this is basically true. Because Paul, what stood before, I think it was Felix, and that's basically what one of the guys told Felix to do is just hey, just let it happen. If this is a true thing, then you know it'll stick. But if it's not, it'll just fizzle off, just like everything else has fizzled off. And they just kind of left it be, even though they did send Paul to Rome anyway because he wanted to stand before um, the emperor. But the idea is, guys, that the progressive movement is going on. It is in our midst, and oneness is basically one of those I think mindsets that has become pretty heavy. And what we think we need to have as a religious push in our Christian walk. So we may not think ourselves were that we're struggling with this, or you know, because I don't, I don't, I know plenty of people who would never look at this oneness that way. But the concern I think is more for the younger generations, especially, and some of the older who are newer Christians or even who haven't been really faithful into the scriptures or faithful into a church where they've got gained that growth that they needed so it does exist and i'm hearing it more because there's more of an acceptance of certain sins there's more of an acceptance of being more loving because with oneness means that we can gain some type of understanding of love and that's all we need to do is just love people and it'll just heal the problems it would just create more peace it will build up more opportunity to serve you you can't love others if you don't know the author of love you, you can't do it you can't love others if you're not putting god first in your in your life you can't love others if you're living in sin and doing whatever you want and still love others it just doesn't work we can love our family we can love our friends we can love people but the love that God want us, wants us to be doing to the people of this world, you can't do it without knowing Jesus, first of all. But two, now, if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind first, then you will not have an understanding of yourself, humanity itself, behavioralism, um, the nature of sin and how its authority and power can have over someone who doesn't know Christ. Like you got to have this understanding before you can have a better understanding how to love someone. Because how can you forgive someone for doing something so so evil when you can't even forgive someone who may have lied to you recently? That's why one of my biggest discussions with people when we start talking about the idea of redemption, forgiveness, and um, what Christ did. You know, the biggest question you can ask someone is if Hitler himself accepted Christ before he died, would he still be going to heaven? Most people would say, no way. He was evil. He, he killed people. He murdered people. He hated the Jews. There is no way that God would allow him to go to heaven. And in perspective, I, I don't think he did. I don't think he accepted Christ. I don't think you know, he changed and I don't think he sought out forgiveness from God. But the question is not that 
the, the reality of this question is if he did does he deserve to go to hell still and if you were to say yes you have the wrong idea of redemption because we all do not deserve to go to heaven we don't deserve it even if you never murdered someone even if you never stole uh, stole stuff from the store even though you barely lied even though you may have you know done a b c d but the, you know nothing was equal to murder or um terrorizing people or hurting someone physically or abusing it like you can you can always compare it all you want but you lying just if, if all you did was lie once that was enough for you to go to hell period want you to think about that one sin so you, you had a clean slate and the penalty of death is sin regardless of what it could be you just lying once is enough to send you to hell because perfection is impossible for humanity that is why jesus had to come on this earth he had to be born into a man to have all that men have the sin nature and everything and be perfect the perfect sacrifice that would cleanse all sins that would renew what was once broken because of sin with god and humanity it was to forgive us for what we have done. It was to change us so that we wouldn't have to be slaves to sin. That we have a way to walk away from temptation. Because the Holy Spirit would be within us, dwelling in us to give us that understanding. Give us that capability of truth understanding of scripture. Because people can read who don't know Jesus as their savior. Can read the scriptures and absolutely not understand it 100%. That's why the Holy Spirit has to interpret to them the understanding. That's why God's word is considered alive. It has the capability of reaching people. Like it, it doesn't have to be us. We don't have to do anything to reach people. What we have to do is let people know, spread the good news, share the gospel, talk about the truth, stand up for truth. Don't allow what we know is theological truth in scripture to be misconceited or mis misskewed to fit a more modern or postmodern view of Christianity which is one thing that the emerging church was focused on is we got to be more post postmodern which the progressive Christians we got to be more postmodern that's why you know the idea of abortion or homosexuality is one of the two things they probably deal with and talk about the most because it's more modern for us to be more accepting of abortion because we're supposed to be more accepting of people or I should say women having their own rights. I'm all for women having their own rights. I ha I am not all for women just killing kids because they were raped or hurt or whatever. Because that child that's in them was it did not choose the way that they came. It was choices that from the person that hurt that that woman and and it's her choice whether to keep it or not. Because I could tell you this, my mother is a product of rape. And my aunt is a product of rape from the same guy. And my grandmother did not choose to abort, even though her whole family told her to. You see, 
I wouldn't have been born. My sister wouldn't have been born, and my aunt's kids wouldn't have been born if her, if their mother had chose to abortion. See, that's the thing is you don't know what the product of your rape that child can become Christ, what they could turn into, what they could become as a, maybe a pastor, a, a strong man or woman who loves God above all things and serves and makes a difference in this culture. You don't know the impact that they could have, but if you abort them, then you'll never find out. That's just something I, I want you guys to think about. That's why it's important that you men teach your daughters the importance of not having sex before marriage, but two, if they do get pregnant, don't disown them, don't treat them like crap, but build them up and then tr- help them train up that child in the likeness of Christ because they become a product of change in this culture through God's blessing, through what God has prepared for them. Anyway, um, we're going to take a quick break, but I want you to think about the importance of what it means, what Christ has done for us, because it's not us that we become oneness. It's because Christ has done something amazing to give us a chance to discover God and and, and to love him, to accept what our Savior has done, and then serve God with our whole heart and our whole life. See you guys in in a few moments. Hey guys, welcome back. And we've been talking about oneness and and what scripture means versus what the world means. And then we kind of got into, you know, what Christ has done and and the importance of this has in the understanding of oneness. Okay, so I know I got a little deep on, you know, a little bit on, on views like abortion and how my mom is a product of rape. Um, her mom kept her because I'm here. And it's very important to understand that the Satan desires to do evil things and hurt us and destroy us. But God can take what Satan has taken for, you know, his cohorts have meant for evil and he can use it for himself he can change the outcome of what the consequence that the enemy wanted it you know i've met many people who have gone through a lot of crap growing up and the change they have expressed or shown over time because they've realized the 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 beauty of of christ in their life and the understanding of what god can do to change their brokenness and remold them into something amazing because like one of the things that's really cool is in japan i don't know if they do as much today but if a pot a pot was broken they would actually put the pieces together and fill it i believe it's with golden clay or something like that they would fill in the cracks with the golden clay and the pot would be basically almost renewed but the imagery is that the scars are golden and that fits so well with the understanding that all the scars that we have gained in our life expresses the beauty of the new cre- creature creation that we've become, creature that we've become, accepting Christ because he's able to fill in those cracks. And even if you do know Christ and you still have these cracks that you just won't let him fill it, let him. Because if he does it, 
your those cracks are going to make your jar look even more beautiful than what it originally was because those scars mold us okay oneness with god is what that picture is we were broken scattered god brought those pieces together and made a new pot out of it he wants us to be to recognize the vessel that we can become for him because we accepted what his son has done and then he's able to have that relationship that was once lost be reestablished by what Christ has done. The world wants us to think that you can find any religion out there. It's basically like a universal mindset. You can pick and choose pieces of those religions and we'll all end up in the same place. So Catholic Church pushes this. They're, you know, Catholic word means universal. So Catholic Church is a universal church. And there's a movement in them that's been going on for decades to figure out a bottom baseline to have other religions be able to take on a, a foundation. But the problem is their foundation is not designed and built on the idea that Jesus Christ is their savior. But that, you know, all their views and their mindsets and the, the way they think on things will end up leading them to like an enlightenment state of oneness or all of us will come together and we'll end up being in heaven together. I mean, the emergent church doesn't even believe hell is an actual place outside of this world. They believe that we live in hell and that this is the hell and consequences that we gain and that if we accept Christ, we'll be able to get through this hell and then end up all in heaven at the end. So it doesn't matter where you've been, you're, all of us are going to end up in heaven at some point. I mean, Catholics believe in purgatory, where at one point when we die, we'll go to a place, and there you can actually fight for salvation for yourself, a grace that you can get out of all the evil that you've done and be able to make it to heaven. See, the, all these views allow a universal mindset that there's always hope after death when... In scripture, there, it, the hope is now of what Christ can do for you, accept him, and you won't hit the penalty of sin, which is death and hell forever, or you accept Christ and get in, and build that relationship and understand the value of what Christ has done for you, and you get to go to heaven. No works. You know, works is not, like, there's nothing you have to do. There's no checklist you have to follow. It's just oneness with Christ because of what he has done for us just like oneness from the father to the son so what we got to understand today and I need you guys to understand is we need to be paying attention to what's going on in our churches we need to be paying attention to the music we're listening to and what it's teaching if it's not biblical it's not going to be taking us in, in the right path of mindset because we're finding I mean I'm finding people that I would assume we're pretty godly walking in the truth are accepting views that are not biblical that are very progressive and very open-ended like I've, I've actually heard the phrase and you should probably look this up but it's called open theology and i i don't believe in that i don't think it's open theology christ gave you know christ died did what he did but we have the scriptures we have the old testament and the new testament um some people sometimes just follow the new testament now you got the old testament new testament are you know it's all Put together for one purpose and the whole the whole bible is the emphasis towards what christ has done for us 
And I think what is happening is we're seeing a very much a view that's going on in today's culture that, and I'm talking about Christian culture, has a very broad, like, if you were to ask somebody and talk to them, but Christ died for you, you may not get the same answer from everybody. Um, that that's that's a, that's a concern. That's not, oh, they can interpret the way they want. No, they're just there's no absolutes being taught. So you have some people that say, well, hey, a homosexual is a sinner and they need to repent and get on track. Well, you have other Christians that say, well, no, they love each other. What's wrong with that? And then if you point out in scripture, they say, no, that's Old Testament thinking. No, it's in New Testament too. Um, this is the battle that we're getting getting into. You're not you, you. Everybody will agree that Jesus died for them, but then there's all this other stuff that they're just like, oh well, you know, that's not what that really means, or you know, yeah, I don't really believe in that. So they start nitpicking what they want from Scripture. Is okay, and where does that come from? It comes from the design of oneness, the progressive movement, the emergent church, and even the culture itself. Because even the culture will say you can't walk around telling people that you're the only way. Well, why not? Because that's what the scripture says. Well, because you might offend people. Well, that's okay. The whole point of the scriptures is not to make people love us and like us. Yeah, but then how how is people supposed to accept Christ through it? By example, by walking in truth, by speaking in truth, and not backing out from truth. Because, you know, think about it. If someone who is very passive kind of just agrees with everybody and never actually stands up for anything that they believe in, what do we call them? We call them cowards. You know, we point out and they're like, oh, look how great that one person standing up for what they believe in. But if a Christian does it, oh, well, that's being evil and hated and you're wrong. See see how it's like hypocritical? Now we hear all these stories, you know, Christians, like, oh, it's so good for them. Great job. But then when it's like, hey, well, you know, I'm speaking out for this truth. You know, the Bible says homosexuality is wrong and that we need to be praying for these people and, and that they hope that they find Christ and that they change. Oh, how evil of you. You're just, you just hate them, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, where did hate come from? Like, I don't hate a liar. I don't hate a murderer. I don't, like, what's the difference? What, why is it that that's more accepted but not with all the other stuff is okay to confront? Because one thing you start hearing is, well, they're because they're nice people. They're caring. You know, I've... I've met, you know, homosexual people seem to be more loving than regular people. And it's like, that doesn't mean anything. Because I've met a bunch of heterosexual people that are not, that are nice or mean. So it's like, you can't be using these as excuses to justify sin. Just like, you know, I've heard it, you know, well, it's just a little white lie. It shouldn't hurt anybody. It's still lying. Well, it's not like they really needed it, you know. I, I took it because, you know, they have tons of pencils. I just stole one. Doesn't mean you didn't steal. Doesn't mean you're not a thief. Well, you know, the as, as we heard last year, well, is the companies have insurance. So, it, you know, losing all this stuff, they'll just get paid for it. It's not a big deal. Still stealing. So the idea is that we have created this culture that... You know, there is lesser sins and there's bigger sins. And we have to kind of sit there and think about it. You know, is this okay? Not okay? You know, in scripture, is very clear in Exodus that the Ten Commandments 
were written as a law and there is penalties for each of those laws so if you didn't do them or you did do them you got penalized for it there was a consequence for it and most of the time it was death you know why because the emphasis is that all sin leads to death period and i think we've forgotten what that really means i want you guys to think about that for a moment all sin leads to death and so many people have been watering down sin pastors have watered down sin and the question you got to ask yourself is why because even in romans six twenty three. For all the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. James 2.10-11 For whom, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at, at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Mind you, all of it. For he who said... You shall not commit adultery. Also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. See, the understanding is that breaking the law, you are a lawbreaker. You are a sinner who needs Jesus. And the penalty is death. So in the Old Testament, if you lied or stole or murdered, there's a high chance you would probably be executed for it because they took it very seriously which then you have to ask yourself well does jesus and god take that seriously the answer is yes so the oneness is not that we become equal with god and have the same power as god and become god ourselves. but the oneness is that we gain a better understanding of truth who god is what jesus what jesus did for us and we ask for forgiveness and we change but we become in likeness of christ it's a unifying ourselves with god so god can't unify himself if you're walking around doing all these sins even though you have your fire insurance i'm putting that in quotes there's no oneness with god because god wouldn't be running around stealing lying having sex with women or guy or girls having sex with guys he wouldn't be sitting there supporting you in your homosexual lifestyle. He would not be supporting you if you're out there doing whatever you want, you know, to your body and destroying it, hurting it, and say, oh, great job, yeah, because that's what I'd be doing. That's not what it means by oneness, you, being unified, thinking like what Christ would want you to think, which is the whole concept of this whole perspective of podcasts is to help you to understand the uprightness being godly, being righteous, following what is true, doing what is right in God's eyes, not what man's eyes, but God's eyes, it all matters. It doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation. doesn't mean that you have to gain salvation by doing good things and doing the right thing. What it means is that we're supposed to be walking in oneness with God, upright, following the truth, doing what is right. But it also does not mean that you're not going to fail. 
does not mean that you won't falter does not mean that you won't sin it just means that our goal in everyday life is try to walk in uprightness and if there's a sin that's just consuming you you need you need to let god cleanse you you need to allow him to remove it you need to put yourself in a situation where it's not easily because you remember in james it talks about that god does not put us in a situation of temptation or tempt us no because he's not tempting us he gives us a way out of temptation the temptation is the temptation of doing something that's wrong okay you got to clarify that temptation is not sinning temptation is the desire to sin but how do we understand when we are sinning ah that's where you have to go and study up all the sins study up what it means to be forgiven you need to do studying you need to grow in your walk in your faith in Christ's likeness studying praying asking God seeking counsel help asking other men that counsel you and help you with some of these thoughts go to church find a good church that's following truth that is not slandering the truth around a little bit and trying to kind of make it watered down that's literally living by the scriptures and find that like i said dudes guys find a man that is walking upright doing the right thing and ask for counsel if you can meet with him once a month pray together do a study together whatever it may be you see it comes from you you out there studying god's word you can't get it by me telling you what to do or someone else telling you what to do you have to study the truth because if you want to understand what sin is bad sins type of deal you know you want to have a better understanding of sin i should say you need to study it you need to know what temptation is go study it because temp tempting is not the action of sinning tempting is wanting to do it but not acting on it because there is certain sense that even in your mind is considered sin so just because well i didn't act on it in my physical hands and doing something wrong that doesn't mean you didn't act on it in your mind and what sins that do that 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 jesus talked about go look them up study the whole point of this podcast is to get you men get up off of your feet and start living your life out right walk up and be warriors who love god follow god who are men of god who are righteous men men who understand chase after holiness who desire what god wants and not this world and you can only do that if you are taking action you are making the move you can have men like me who are leading you out in the battlefield but if you don't know how to use your weapons you're going to die it doesn't matter how many times i tell you how if you're not practicing training and growing you're never gonna live through the battlefield but today i want to challenge all you men get up Start studying. You have questions, look it up. You have questions, find a man that you can talk to. You have questions, go talk to a pastor. Find a good church that's following truth, that's that's dealing with the scriptures correctly and isn't watering it down like the progressive church is doing and the emergent church and even those that are seeking out universal thinking in the church because it's very real. I think universalism is also being pushed in the church too. And there is a lady on YouTube that actually talks about that in her experience that she started getting into 
universalism well. And it took her time, but eventually she figured out what she'd been doing. See if I can find her real quick. You guys can look her up. Okay, her name is Melissa Daughtry, and it's D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. And Melissa's M-E-L-I-S-S-A. Last name D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. And a lot of her stuff is talking about <coughs> universalism and how it's impacting the church because of her experiences and what God has been revealing to her. And it's been fun listening to some of her stuff. Um, so I challenge you guys, you know, just because these, you know, some people I've been talking about are women doesn't mean that they aren't learning stuff. You know, you can learn from them. Um, and like I said, I'm always going to encourage you guys check out John Cooper. Some of the stuff is just so good. Sometimes it can be a little, I would say boring because he gets kind of really in depth in the conversation on things when he could just shorten up a bit. Otherwise, you know, he, he's understanding that there's something going on. Universalism is in the church. Progressivism is in the church. Oneness mindset is in the church. It's very real, guys. And we need to start paying. We need to start studying our word, the word, way more and understanding it better, so that we have a more visual understanding of what's going on in front of us. Because there's people that are pushing these views very heavily. Let's pray, dear my Father. Thank you for this time. I ask that. You will be glorified by anybody who's listening, Lord, that your name will be recognized, that people will have a better understanding of what it means to have Jesus as their Savior, that it is so vital to understanding our oneness with you because Jesus died for us. He reestablished what was once broken because of sin by being the ultimate sacrifice and by us asking forgiveness, repentance, seeking Jesus out and asking him to be our savior we don't have to be bound by what sin's consequences which is death and hell we will be bound to you as our Lord as our God as our King I pray that men will be transformed changed today that they'll be recognized as godly men because they'll be seeking you out, seeking out truth, understanding their scriptures, studying it, because they need to have a better understanding so they don't falter and fall or be easily influenced by what's going on around us. Let us not be influenced by this oneness mindset of universalism, um, the progressive church mindset, or even emergent church. All these, all these movements are there inside our churches, and we need to be founded strongly in your truth so that we can see it see those lies we can see the influence and not be influenced ourselves but also stand up for a church protect people that we teach and even if we don't teach be willing to speak up and say something and if we have to leave the church lord give courage today open up some of these men's hearts and minds let them see you clearly as they seek out you pray this in jesus and holy name Thank you.